Well, hello and welcome. I'm glad you could make it. I'm Rebecca Bardess, founder of Indiepreneur Academy, and this is the Like a Bardess podcast, where I take what I've learned since the dot-com boom and pour wisdom into the ears of the work-from-home crew about health, wealth, happiness, mindset, creativity, love, spirituality, and living a life of purpose on purpose. So whether you've been online since the early days like me, or you're just starting out since 2020 sent us to our rooms, you'll learn from people who are making online businesses work whatever life throws at them. Get comfy, get your ears ready for a good time. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate it, share it with people who benefit from hearing it, and check out my blog for more free training at likeabardass.com. Hello, hello, hello. I am so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for joining me for this little uh, coffee, coffee chat. I don't know, it doesn't have to be coffee, could be tea, whatever. Whatever it is though, I need you to know a couple of things in advance. First of all, I'm neither a doctor nor a therapist. You probably shouldn't listen to a thing I say about health, wellness or anything to do with that that I might need certificates for because I don't have the certificates, okay? So when I talk to you about mental health issues from my perspective or just from having friends who have these things or clients who have these things and the things I have learned over the years, that's just my perspective. You don't have to agree with it. If you get triggered by it, you can just leave the podcast like there's nothing to stop you from doing that you don't have to keep listening if you're if you listen and you're like oh I'm starting to get triggered don't just carry on being triggered just leave you know that's absolutely fine I'm not it's not like you've turned up to a banquet um that the queen is hosting and if you get up in the middle because you object to someone's tiara it's going to be an international incident it's fine you can literally leave if you get triggered I'm not going to be offended by it. You can just get on with your day. You, you absolutely can. And here are the reasons you might get triggered. One, I'm going to be talking about a very real mental health issue. Um, whether it falls into the mental health category completely in terms of illnesses or not, depends on who you are, you know, and, and your perspective. Because some some therapists think it do think that it does, some don't, but it probably does, honestly. It, it's, it seems like a mental health issue to me. We, we will see. We will see. You might have it, though, right? So if you have one of these conditions that I'm going to talk about and you think, well, that's she's not speaking to my experience, that's absolutely fine. I, I can't possibly speak to everybody's experience. I can't. So if, if I'm saying this is how people are and you're like, well, I'm not like that, well, then it doesn't apply to you, does it? That's, that's all I can say to that. Doesn't apply to you. That's not, you know, you're not within my experience of that. So I'm just one human being and I'm going to not necessarily be saying the things that are right for everybody. And that's that's fine. You, you probably don't say things that are right for everyone too. That's also fine. You know, we live in a, a world full of people with different opinions and views and experiences. And isn't that what makes the world wonderful? The next thing is, because I'm going to be talking about things like the fact that 
sometimes abuse leads to problems and stuff like that, that might trigger you. So if that triggers you, don't listen. Uh, if you're just easily triggered in general and bad things happen when you get triggered, maybe don't listen. But some some of you might, you might want to, I mean, it's up to you. Like you've got free will. If you know that you're triggered in some circumstances, but it's not in a dangerous way, it's just like, okay, well, I get a bit peeved, but I can, I might learn something. That's, that's a judgment call. Um, I'm just trying to think what else is there that I have to say? Oh, I'll probably phrase things wrong. And again, if that triggers you, if I don't kind of phrase it, a person who is living with, and, and I just shortcut it, that's because I'm not perfect, I guess. And also that's really wordy. And I feel like you know who you are. So if somebody, I have brain damage, for instance, from a car crash I had when I was a child. And if someone says to me, um, oh, you're, you know, you're, you have brain damage or you're brain damaged. I don't take offence to that. I don't go, no, I am a person who is living with brain damage. I'm, I'm just like, that doesn't remove my personhood, I don't think. If someone notices a thing about me, like, oh, you've got brain damage. Yeah, I have. It's it's just factual information. <laughs> yeah, I have. And I'm kind of proud of how I've coped, given that I couldn't speak or read or write. Now I have a podcast and I was a magazine columnist for six years. And I'm a best-selling author. Yay me. Like, I don't really care how you phrase that. And also, and I, I know this is problematic. Like, if you're somebody who finds everything problematic and you cancel people all the time, you're going to say, oh, 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 this is like privilege of some kind. And you're really coming from your perspective. If you're not offended by it, doesn't mean nobody else is offended by it. I promise you, if you go around looking for things to be offended by, you're going to find them. And I promise you, everyone on the face of the planet is offended by something every day because you have a disgust response. <laughs> so you, it exists for you to be offended. You're going to get offended. I cannot offence proof you. I can't, I can't stop you being offended by things. I can't make life suddenly not offensive. That would mean your disgust response isn't working. If you're offended by me, congratulations, your disgust response is working. Yay! <laughs> that is a mental health plus for you. That's awesome. Um, I'm just trying to think what else. I'm just thinking from, from a uh, serious perspective. I guess all I can say is if you start to get offended in a way that is damaging for you or dangerous for you, you're going to know that and, and just leave. Um... What else? What else? What else? Have I covered everything? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. Um, if you're offended, you can leave. I'm not intending to offend you. That's not, I'm not like going out of my way to offend you. I just want to be able to talk about this in, a, in an easy to discuss kind of way. I want you to be able to chill, take the weight off, and look at this mental health situation from a slightly more kind of fun place, you know. I think if you sometimes are able to put the fun into dysfunctional, I, I don't think it's the worst thing to have a bit of a sense of humor about things because we've got to live with this stuff. Um, 
yeah, so that's basically all I can think of for the... I probably missed some stuff, but for the, for the triggers, I think... Yeah, I'm probably going to screw some stuff up and that's it. No more warnings from here on in. If you get offended, leave. Oh, no, there is one more. If you have been subject to narcissistic abuse and so you feel like everybody who is narcissistic in some way or on that spectrum is evil, you're not going to like this podcast and you shouldn't listen to it because I am going to talk about this from the perspective of someone who thinks that abuse is bad and there are certain behaviours that can be deemed to be evil, but that people, just because behaviours are bad doesn't mean that a person needs to be cancelled. Sometimes good people do bad things because bad things have happened to them and they've made, you know, choices that put them on a path. So I'm coming from that perspective. If that really annoys you and makes you feel like I'm enabling evil people, you're not, I'm not going to change your mind on that. And this might be a podcast that is triggering for you. And in that situation, it really is important that you don't listen to it. Because I I get it. I have CPTSD from narcissistic abuse. I understand that there is a part of the healing process of that where you almost do have to kind of think in a bit of a black and white way about this and, and think, you know, they're all evil. And I was get away because it's, it's part of protecting yourself. And if you're in that stage, then thinking in a more nuanced way about the humanity and personhood of somebody um, where you might be picturing your abuser I can understand how that would be triggering so in that situation this might be something you can listen to another day but right now if you're in that state probably don't now I'm going to get on to the content the content of the podcast today clusters of bees I was talking to a friend of mine who has borderline personality disorder And we were talking about ways he could deal with it, different things that he could do to make sure that his life was more stable and he didn't hurt people and stuff like that. And I suddenly got this brainwave and I was like, hang on, it's a cluster B personality disorder. He said, yes. I said, it's a cluster of Bs. He said, what are you talking about? I said it's a cluster of bees. Think of it like a cluster of bees. You have a cluster of bees, like an actual cluster of bees that's with you wherever you go. He said, okay, you're you're insane. And I'm like, look, who's talking? He said, fair enough. And so, so you've got the cluster of bees and that's dangerous, right? Having a cluster of bees is dangerous. And people who have clusters of bees with them all the time, they can be dangerous. They can sting. You know, they can be stinging involved if you get too close. There can be all kinds of drama involved with a cluster of bees. However, clusters of bees also create honey. It's just how you handle the bees. So for some people, if you have a, if you think of it like, okay, I've got a cluster I've I've got a cluster B personality disorder. It doesn't feel so good. But if you think I'm not saying this is going to feel good, but if you think I have a cluster of bees issue, then you can start thinking about well how do I handle the bees? 
right? Because that is an issue. If you've got a cluster of bees, swarm of bees, that's an issue you need to deal with. If it's kind of around you the whole time, it's probably going to cause some damage. So what's the best way for you personally to deal with that cluster of bees? Now, the first thing is to understand that for some people, getting away from the bees is possible. So really recovering from a personality disorder can happen, but it's rare. It's it's one of the more difficult things to deal with because unlike with a mental, a, a kind of mental illness, something like maybe um, bipolar disorder or something like that is something that you have that is that is treatable. A personality disorder is something that you are. So unless you actually have a change of personality, you you probably start with the cluster of bees, right? And that can be depressing for people to think, whoa, this is like, I'm probably not going to recover from this. That sucks. You, you might. I mean, it's worth trying to recover. It, it's probably going to take a while. Definitely takes commitment. But we all know somebody who has had a personality change, don't we? Something dramatic happened in their life and they had a personality change for the for the better or the worst. So so maybe somebody was in a, a near-death experience. You could have two people in the same near-death experience and same situation and one person will become very aggressive to deal with that and have a, a change of personality in that way and another will become really reserved or another will become just really grateful for life and and start living their purpose these things affect people in different ways but there's definitely a personality change so personalities can change but usually what happens is something pretty substantial happens outside you that leads something pretty substantial to happen inside you or it takes a while most people though who are dealing with the cluster of bees are probably going to have to carry on dealing with the cluster of bees. Let us take a second and sit with that. I know it sucks. Breathe in. Breathe out. If you like, in your own time, you can you can contemplate this, think about this. If this is you or somebody in your family or something, you can breathe in calmly and on the out breath, you can, you can use the F word because I get it. <laughs> like, ah, I have to live with this cluster of bees. Bear with me because just because you got a cluster of bees doesn't mean that is necessarily entirely a problem. There is another analogy that I have used, which is if all narcissists are monsters, how come all superheroes are narcissists? And there's another podcast on that that you can look up um, on, my, on my podcast. But that is true, that narcissism and related cluster B personality disorders are positively correlated with success and fame. Because people with cluster B personality disorders are generally seeking a lot of attention. Um, they're, they're good at getting attention. They're very charming in many ways. And that helps them to do well in, in business and in show business and various other places. That charmingness, that ability to know how to um, sweeten people up, that's the honey. 
That's the honey right there. So you've got the cluster of bees and they've got all the stings, but they've also got honey. And the thing with that honey is, people say it's fake. Sometimes it is. Sometimes if you're really, 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 really bad, like if you have completely gone to the dark side and you're like, I'm full on dark triad and I don't give a crap about anything, then that's not real honey. That's like, you know, the stuff with the really bad chemicals in and it tastes like honey kind of, but it's poisoning you. So if if you fall into that category, again, this podcast isn't for you. I can't help you. And you probably don't want any help. And that's great. Bye. But everybody else, because the majority of people who are dealing with a cluster of bees are concerned that they're dealing with a cluster of bees. They might not admit it, but on their own, in their own time, they think I could honestly do without this cluster of bees following me everywhere. Because although having your very own cluster of bees that you can throw at people is handy in terms of getting your own way, you also get stung. You can't be walking around with a cluster of bees around you and never get stung. So it hurts you too. You you can use it to attack people, but then you end up attacking people that you actually care about and then they leave. And then after a while, you're like, gosh, where are all the people I actually care about? They're all going away and it's not fun, but, you know, and, and it hurts you. And sometimes people with certain types of clusters of bees, the bees attack them specifically. That can happen with borderline personality disorder a lot, that the bees, it, they might attack other people, but they're almost definitely going to attack you too. And it's problematic. You, you want to be able to get those bees under control because otherwise stings all over the place and it's not fun. And the honey side of it, Although at certain points it can seem like the honey outweighs the bees. So yeah, it's a problematic being being followed around by a swarm of bees, but the honey's worth it because it's really good stuff. For most for most people, it's you know, that's the best stuff you've got. The stuff you use as bait to bring people in. A lot of that, I feel like a lot of that is actually genuine. I know people say it's fake, but I think it's genuine because I think it's coming from the place that isn't, the place that was kind of there before whatever damage caused the bees to move in. And I think that's why quite often with, say, for example, narcissists, they don't like to show that vulnerable side of themselves. They use it to to kind of lure people in, but it does leave them a little bit vulnerable because some, at least some of it is genuine and it's kind of opening up that space that the dragons are around protecting the the kind of what I think is probably in many cases a fluffy bunny. In some cases, it's not. In some cases, it's just a void that they don't want to deal with. Um, but it's a very vulnerable place. Um, but when it's when it's real, when it's really real, then then it's kind of a fluffy bunny that it's coming from. And people see the fluffy bunny and they're like, oh, it's so lovely it's just this person's so lovely and great and wonderful and genuine and and I think part of it is and that's why when they when they close up the gates and protect the bunny again and the dragons come back in they come in hard like there's a there's a price to pay for having seen the the bunny side of a narcissist it's like you have seen my vulnerable underbelly and now you will pay and if you are on that spectrum this some part of this is probably going to resonate with you. There's got to be some part. I'm not attacking you. I'm, 
I'm encouraging you to do some self-reflection. I'm not attacking you. So just just reflect for a second and think, eh, if I'm really honest with myself, because I can't tell. I don't know what you're thinking. No one knows. You're not actually vulnerable right now. Nobody's going to know if you're thinking the stuff inside your own head and you don't tell anyone. I'm just encouraging you to be a bit self-reflective for a second and think, do I do that? You know, is that true for me? Because if it's true for you, there's a bit of work that you need to do to heal some things. Because usually when you have a cluster of bees, they've been given to you by someone who had a cluster of bees, right? Sometimes you inherit the, inherit the bees, you come in fully beat up. That can happen to psychopaths sometimes. They come in and they've just got a cluster of bees and, they, <laughs> and the cluster of bees is where their empathy should be and that never grows. And that's very hard. But for most people, they come in with a tendency to seek out the bees or a tendency to kind of resonate with the bees or to accept bees when they're offered to them. And then a traumatic experience happens or a parent is not attentive enough or too attentive or there's too much pressure for success or there's something happens that that causes this tendency to collect the bees to to happen. And then you just accept the gift of a cluster of bees from a parent or somebody else that you trust. And then you've got that for the rest of your life in many cases kind of sucks. It's not your fault if you were born with a cluster B personality disorder or you got one through trauma. Clearly it's not your fault. And so if you're going around and on social media and stuff, you're constantly seeing that somebody with your personality disorder somehow doesn't deserve love or is evil or is a monster, that probably doesn't do great things for your self-esteem. And I just want to say... That sucks, and I'm sorry that happens. Because the way I look at it, the majority of people who have those disorders, something bad has happened to them in childhood. And I feel like, and if you're somebody who doesn't have one of these disorders, but you go around kind of saying that people who do are just horrible, evil people and they shouldn't be friends with anyone... I want you to think for a second of a little child, like a little tiny child who has been bullied or beaten or abused in some way and they're crying or they've been angry and now they just feel empty and they're just very quiet and they're looking up with big eyes and you go, go down to their level and they're, they're tiny. They might be like two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever. They're not very, very old. And you go down to their height and you say, hey, guess what? Now you have been hurt and you're going to have to find a way to deal with that. You don't deserve to be loved as an adult. Who would do that to a child? Like, how abusive is that? And yet we do that to adults who are survivors of abuse all the time. Just basically tell them, hey, guess what? Because you adapted in such a way that you could continue to exist in an abusive environment or a neglectful environment, you don't deserve to be loved. I think that is unutterable bullshit. 
I think it's wrong. I think everybody deserves to be loved. Isn't your fault if you have a personality disorder. You did not choose to have one. It's a maladaptive way of dealing with something bad that happened. So back to the bees. You got these bees. What are you going to do with the bees? Think about it for a second. Think about a swarm of bees has a particular sound. It's very agitated. It's very aggressive. What they're doing is they're protecting something vulnerable at the core, which is the queen. And so they're very aggressively protecting that queen. If you think of the feminine for a second, the feminine feminine energy is, is generally fairly vulnerable. It can be very it can be vulnerable. It's, it's physically generally less resilient. And that, that masculine energy, I mean, this is actually what's happening in this situation. The masculine energy is very aggressive. So the queen is, is precious, but vulnerable. And then the masculine energy around is very aggressive. If you think of it from the perspective of there is there is an aspect within someone who has that aggressive outer shell that is more in that vulnerable space, more in that yin space, which is more of a, it can be seen as a more feminine energy or a more intuitive, vulnerable energy. That it, that it makes sense to some people to put just layers of aggression and anger and raw around that so that nobody gets to that space because that space is wounded and, and it's not safe. So in the case of a swarm of bees, that queen is just precious. Like that queen is going to be the thing that creates a new world for those bees if it can find a place to to set up that's safe. If you put that in a hive, that queen, that vulnerable potential at the core is what will birth new life. Bear with me. Breathe if you need to. I mean, everyone needs to breathe. So you imagine that cluster of bees. If you can take that cluster of bees and you can put them in a hive... A hive of bees sounds very different. It's productive, it's harmonious. All aspects are working for the greater good of the hive. And the queen is protected. But the queen is productive and it all works together. That's the same for you. If you can get into a productive state, now this is going to look different for everyone. And like I said before, I'm not a therapist. So speak to your therapist about this. And by all means, use this analogy if you want. Different things are going to work for different people. But for many people who are struggling with emotional regulation and so on, Having a sense of structure is really important. And that structure really needs to include your sleep, your, your stresses, like how stressed you are, where your energy is at, your breathing, 
So you need to be doing breathing techniques every day, meditation every day, balancing the the rest that you have with the effort that you put in, and then being honest with yourself about your self-esteem. Because people with these conditions tend to project to people immense confidence, but they don't have a really deep sense of self-worth. So they'll project that they are super, super confident and super successful and gorgeous and all the things that they've got going for them, but underneath they feel hollow. So you need to check in with yourself. Now, you don't need to share this with anyone. You're not becoming dangerously vulnerable, sweet one. Okay? Listen to me. You can do this privately. There is an app called Finch. F-I-N-C-H, like the bird. Get it? I used used to recommend Rooted because it's good for panic attacks, but it doesn't go as far as Finch and it's not as good. So I'm I'm going with Finch now. You can get it free or you can get it paid. I'm not an affiliate. I might find out if I can become an affiliate for it though because it's epic. Basically, it's fully encrypted. So anything you put in that is not going to be seen by the outside world. It's not even going to be seen by the people there. And all it is is this little game where you hatch a a bird and the bird goes on adventures and then it talks to you every day and you give it feedback. And the thing that sends it off on these adventures is that you have completed goals and you have reflected on things and you have journaled and you've done the kinds of things like breathing, there's breathing exercises and stuff that help to promote your best mental health. So it rewards you for putting in place a schedule, a healthy regimen that's going to work for you. And then when you do that, this little bird progresses and it it develops its own personality and it has these adventures and you get rewarded in lots of different ways in the app. I think it's a good thing. I know it's silly, (laughs) but it's kind of sometimes life can be really serious and just it's it's a nice simple little app and it's backed by decent science it's it's backed by research and it's properly those people understand what they're talking about like they are fully qualified but it is a handy little thing to because you carry your phone with you and if you are struggling a little bit with this cluster of bees refusing to get into a hive and they keep getting angry, for instance, there's a little rage section where you can just rant so the it calms the bees down. The other thing I'm thinking is, if you've got a cluster of bees, check in with yourself about what percentage of the bees are pissed off. You know, if, if 80% of the bees are peeved and 20% of the bees are chill about the situation, you're probably going to go off. You're probably going to cause a problem in a minute and you need to then go to the app or go to whatever you've got and do some breathing exercises. Do whatever it is that works for you. Do some journaling. Write out your, get it out of of you. Write out your rage in this little encrypted app. 
where no one's going to see it and you can call people whatever names you want and they'll never hear it. <laughs> Just do that. And you're not causing drama for other people and you're acknowledging your feelings and your emotions, which a lot of times people have been prevented from doing, and it just bottles up. You're acknowledging it. You're letting it out. It's like just letting the pressure out, out so you don't explode. Or, or the sadness doesn't overwhelm you. Or whatever the emotion is that's overwhelming, emotional dysregulation is a big part of cluster B personality disorders. Use something like that to regulate your emotions and to own them, to feel how you feel. So a lot of times people have been so scared of their emotions and so scared to admit that they're scared of their emotions, they don't even know what they're feeling. So you feel completely disassociative or dissociative all the time. You know, you don't, you don't even know who you are sometimes. And so actually stating, I feel this, is that's a really strong statement to yourself. This is a conversation you're having with yourself. It's not about anyone else. So much of narcissism, for instance, is about how do I look to everyone else and what are they reflecting back to me? And narcissistic supply is, is stuff that's all external that you bring into you to kind of turbocharge your, your sense of self because you're not able to do that for yourself. But if you're doing, if you have a daily practice where multiple times a day, maybe to start with, you're writing down whatever it is for you. It might be if you have addictions you're dealing with, it might be the number of times you get tempted by something and what that feels like to you, bringing consciousness and mindfulness and presence to what it is that's causing you to act in a way that that hurts or upsets other people or hurts or upsets you, just bringing your consciousness to it. And then developing, the way I look at it is developing affection for yourself. Because if someone's really fully a perfectionist and they really fully need everyone to think that they, they're never a victim and everything in their life is perfect or they're just so badass that nothing affects them, generally they're hiding something. Generally they're not, they're not unconditionally loving themselves. They're setting up a paradigm where they have to be a certain way to be loved by everyone, including themselves. And then they're trying to spread that. They're like, hey, hey, here's my cluster of bees. Let me throw this out to a whole bunch of other people. Here, you can have some bees too. And everyone's like, yay, bees. Um, I think it's probably better if instead of doing that, you can maybe spend some time every day where you genuinely are affectionate about yourself. Don't twist it. I'm not saying, you know what you might think I'm saying. I'm saying affection, not lustful about yourself, not obsessed with yourself, not staring yourself in the mirror and going, you know, check out my abs. Not that, beneath that. So yeah, sure, stand naked in front of the mirror and look at yourself. But then notice when the judgmental voice comes up and notice if it doesn't as well. It's like, no, I am perfect in every way and I will never be anything but perfect. You need to go, dude, you're looking good right now, but long term, that's probably not going to be the case. And that's OK. That's fine. If you're like, oh, you know, I look great, but oh, five years ago I had this going on or 10 years ago I had that going on or I'm past my athletic peak. If I actually wanted to go into the Olympics at this point, I probably wouldn't 
crush it the way I would do 10 years ago. Okay, sit with that and be accepting of it and say, do you know what? I, I actually love you. I actually love you, body, because you have kept me alive. You do tons of stuff that I don't really even understand. You, you do things every day to keep me alive. And I, I love you for that. I just want to appreciate you for that. And sometimes I'm going to criticize you for stuff. And sometimes I'm going to be like, well, I've got, you know, this or I'm lifting this weight, but I'm not lifting that weight. So I'm not good enough yet. Kind of ignore me when I do that because I'm being a bit of a brat. You, you're actually doing a really good job. I just want to I just want to appreciate you for what you are and who you are and how you take care of me. And I, I just think you're cool. And do that for your mind and do that for your soul and do that for your heart and forgive yourself for stuff. I've told the story of, of Narwhal Tuskai. There was um there was a terrorist incident in this country. A guy went around and caused mayhem in London and hurt some people and killed some other people. Um, I won't go into details, but it was bad. And then he went to a bridge in London and threatened to blow himself up and everyone around him. A guy grabbed a narwhal tusk. Now, a narwhal is a, a whale, a small whale that has a unicorn horn on its head. It's in fact what the unicorn horn is modelled on. It's a spiral tusk. It's beautiful. And he was in Fishmonger's Hall, I think, and he, he grabbed this off the wall and he charged the guy who was threatening to blow himself up with a narwhal tusk and save the day. Now, it's worth mentioning that another guy also gra grabbed a, f a fire extinguisher and attacked this guy. So both of those people were putting themselves at risk of being blown up, right? But it's, it's, it, was just, it was just ridiculous that <laughs> this guy attacked a guy with a narwhal tusk and saved the day. And so obviously it was a big news story. The twist to that was narwhal tusk guy was a murderer. He'd, he'd murdered someone before and he was on day release from prison. Further twist, the queen pardoned him. So the queen learned of his bravery and pardoned him, which meant she, she urged for him to be released from prison because he had made great progress in prison and this was a this was evidence of the fact that he was heroic. I told this story to my friend who um has a uh, this particular friend that I was talking about who I shared the cluster of bees story with theory with and I said, you know, isn't this great? This is this is an indication of how people can change over time. Like if you have a growth mindset, it doesn't really matter what you've done, you can be forgiven and you can you can change over time. And he went very quiet and said either that or it was his first chance to kill again, which I thought was so dark and dim, dismal. But it was, it's, it's a point. Like he has a point. And, and there is that. And yes, OK, if you are kind of in that dark triad space where you could kill somebody, 
there is the possibility that that's not going to change and you're just going to look for opportunities to do more of the same. But in that situation, the intent, whether the intent... Now, I don't think that was the intent at all. And neither, actually, do the family of the person he'd murdered. They agreed with the Queen. They agreed he should be set free, which I think is amazing. And it looks from the way that he was in prison that he had a personality change. This is important to understand. It can happen. So I think it's a wonderful story of of change and transformation and somebody realising they don't want to be that bad guy anymore and, and being heroic. I think that's wonderful. But let's say that's not what happened. Let's say, I think it is, all things point to that, but let's say it's not. If the outcome of an action is genuinely good, so in that situation, someone could have killed a lot more people and they didn't because this guy attacked them with a narwhal tusk. Does it really matter if he did that to save the other people or he did it because, you know, he just fancied a bit of violence? It doesn't really matter. If someone is very far down the narcissism path, so psychopathic, and they they really don't have any empathy for other people, I think they can still be good people. If they decide, if they are self-aware enough and they say, okay, I kind of have to acknowledge that I'm a sociopath or a psychopath at this point. I have to acknowledge that because it's a thing. I really genuinely, when people are talking about empathy, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't feel it at all. But I do like being good at stuff. And I am smart. And I do kind of like being the best at stuff. And I like it when people tell me that I'm good. So since everyone is so big on this goodness thing, I am going to be competitive with myself. And I am going to say, whereas in the past I have excelled, at getting good things for myself, no matter what, no matter who I have to hurt to get the things that I want, from now on, I'm going to raise the bar because that's not competitive enough. That's not a high enough level for me. And I'm badass and I can hit higher levels because I'm not as encumbered by empathy as everybody else's. I don't have breaks on, on if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. And I, you know, I'm not scared of risk. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to raise the bar for myself. Because I have the superpower of not really giving too many Fs. And I'm going to make it that everything I do, not only do I win, but the other person wins too. Or, or not only do I win, but the other person wins and their people win. I'm going to make it harder for myself. I'm going to make this more of a game. I'm going to make this more fun of a game because sometimes I get bored because this is kind of easy for me. If a person does that, the intent, the fact that they're doing it because they want to be the best, the outcome's still going to be good. It doesn't matter if they're doing it because they want to be the best or they're doing it because they genuinely care. If someone wants people to congratulate them because they donated a million dollars to charity 
or if they do it because they genuinely care about the charity, the charity still gets a million dollars. Does it matter? No. Not really. You're still doing a good thing. If someone helps somebody else to do well and become more confident and stuff and they sell books on it and they sell courses on it and people are just becoming more confident or they're becoming more happy and the person who's selling this stuff doesn't really care about the people but they do care about the money that's coming in. If what they're selling is genuinely good and genuinely helping people, does it matter? Probably not as much as you might think. If a psychopath becomes a surgeon and they can save lives because at the moment at which death is almost certain for the patient, so somebody else's hands would shake, theirs don't because the only thing that matters to them is that they have a perfect record of success, not whether or not the person dies. Is that useful? Yeah. Are people going to be happy if you save their lives? Yeah. So even if you're really extreme on this, even if you're really at the extreme end of this, if you would rather be remembered as a decent person than a monster, you can make that decision at any point and alter your behaviours such that that happens, even if it's kind of a con. It's better to be a, a good person who is genuinely helping shift the species forward than, you know, somebody really monstrous. It is. You do have superpowers if you have a cluster of bees. For one thing, you've got a cluster of bees. But it's up to you whether you use those superpowers for good good or evil. And like I said, there's there's another podcast, there's a couple of podcasts on this that you can listen to, go back through them and you'll find them. Most people, most people who are dealing with this, most people are not at the extreme end. They are struggling with a disordered personality. They're struggling with it and they don't want it, and they want to be able to be more in control of their emotions. Think of the hive and do the things that are going to help that hive to be harmonious. And then keep an eye every day. Say, how are my bees? What if they're just in the hive and they're making honey? That's good. If they're kind of scattered about a little bit, it's like how many of the bees are in the hive and harmonious? How many of them are out there trying looking for people to sting or could sting me? And if you're getting to the point where it's 50-50, you know, 50% in the hive doing productive stuff, 50% looking for trouble, you, you really need to take whatever steps it is that you need to take, whether that's taking medication if you have comorbidity with something else that's triggering you or whether it's meditation or whether it's getting asleep or looking if are you are you um hungry angry or tired or something like that you know what is it that's that's putting you in that state also being aware of where you are in your cycle if you have a personality disorder cluster b personality disorder there's usually a cycle 
So you're you're either in the kind of honeymoon phase of whatever it is, whether it's a relationship or an opportunity or a place that you've gone to or whatever. You're in the the idealized phase of something or you're in the um, diminish phase or you're in the discard phase. And you need to know where you are. If, if you're in the idealized phase, then, okay, you're not going to stay there forever. So what's the deal? Is it that the bees are, they're out and about, but they're happy, but they're not really doing hive work because they're really not. <laughs> they're conning you a little bit sometimes during that phase. Some of them might be doing hive work, but that's the point where you feel really upbeat and cool. That's really where you need to be doing most of the work. That's when you feel great. That's when you need to be doing the inner work. That's when you need to be meditating and stuff, not doing addictive stuff. And then in in the the diminish or the devalue stage, who are you who are you devaluing or what are you devaluing? And why are you doing that? And do they really deserve it? Bring presence of mind to it. What is it? I say to my clients, if you if you pluck a guitar string, it's only going to resonate if it's connected at both ends. So if someone is triggering you, if you're diminishing someone, if you're devaluing something, someone, it's because there's part of something in them that's in you. So you can't change them. And devaluing them isn't going to make your life any better. You need to look at yourself and work on that in yourself. Like, what is it about them that triggers you? What is it in them that you want to be? Or that triggers some pain from the past? Or what is it about the thing you really don't like about them that is something that you have been? It might be that you're dealing with an empath who is so open and sweet and kind and there's a part of you that's like that and you chose to cover it up with the aggression and so they annoy you because they remind you of who you could be but you decided not to be. Work on it in yourself. Ho'oponopono is really handy. Look it up. So it's pretty straightforward. You just repeat to yourself this is the meditation you repeat to yourself and you think you can think this in terms of yourself you can think this in terms of a situation or a person but generally just thinking about it in terms of you're doing this work to clear yourself you're doing this work to clear your connection with the divine however you perceive that so with with god or whatever you just think i'm sorry please forgive me thank you I love you. And then you can repeat that over and over again, either in that order or in different orders. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And you, you say it over and over again until you feel it's clearing something, until you feel that aggression going away, that anger going away, that need to diminish and bring down other people going away. And it starts to heal you. It starts to heal you on quite a profound level if you do that. Takes a while. It's not going to happen overnight. But it can help you to just calm those bees down and get them back in the hive. And you just keep doing that and check in with yourself. How many are in the hive now? How many of them, how many of them are causing problems now? 
and keep going until at least 80% of them are in the hive. I think give it a go. See how, if it works for you, do it. If it doesn't, don't. I will put a resource in the show notes for therapy. Um, They're very good therapists. They are fully qualified. So if you go through my link, you can get, I think you get a free week's therapy, actually. It's technically an affiliate link, so I should get something, but it doesn't always work as an affiliate link, but it does always work to get you a better deal than if you went through them directly. So use it for your benefit. I might receive benefit. I might not. (laughs) It's a bit hit and miss. Um, But I'll leave that link in the show notes. And yeah, if you think you need therapy, there's so many memes doing the rounds like guys would rather do this and this than get therapy. Like therapy is the worst thing in the world. Honestly, therapy is just being honest and having someone reflect back to you your honesty. It's courage. It's courageous. There's nothing wrong with therapy. If you need it, get it. Use the app. See if that helps you. And yeah, work out what it is for you that is going to help you to maintain that ordered state that the hive has. Might be exercise, might be um, just keeping a really good eye on on, um, how much time you spend around people who trigger you how much time you spend watching things or listening to things that are either triggering or addictive or whatever, because these can all trigger your bees. And we want calm bees. And maybe you can get those bees to the point where all they focus on is making honey. And then you're going to be in the money. <laughs> I mean, it depends <laughs> like if, you're, if you're looking for money. But we can see that. When you look at celebrities who are a bit much when they were younger, but they've been in the game for a really long time and they're balanced now, they're people of, they've they've still got their bees, but the bees are calm. The bees aren't doing random things without their permission. They're making honey. They're creating sweetness. They're not doing manic stuff. And... That might be possible for you. Or it might be that every now and then you get a bit stingy, but it's not that bad. It's worth working on. So best of luck with your beekeeping. Um, If this is useful to you, if this is something that you, you have found some light bulb moments in, or when you go through my other trainings, you think, actually, this really makes sense to me but you don't necessarily want to leave a comment anywhere or whatever because it's personal to you, I would really appreciate it if you give me a five-star review on on Apple Podcasts because that really matters to them. Or, you know, if there's the opportunity for you to give stars wherever you get this because it's everywhere, then that's great. But Apple in particular really helps people to find this if, if they're a five-star review. So I'd really appreciate that. And whether you are somebody who is dealing with your own bees or you're dealing with somebody else's bees, I wish you the very best and I hope that this has helped you and I will see you on the next podcast.